G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 26 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast where we're talking IARM and today I'm pleased to announce that we're joined by Angel who is the mother of Wolf who is five years old from Queensland, Australia. How are you Angel? Hi, hello, I'm good, how are you? Very good, very good. So we're going to talk about your journey with Wolf. Let's start at the beginning. Wolf's five now, so all of this happened quite a while ago, so I'll do the best I can to kind of, you know, bring it all back from the past. Uh, so I didn't actually know um, that there was any issues with Wolf when I was pregnant, so <clears throat> everything was uh, a big surprise when he, when he came out, and because I have five babies, so Wolf is my fourth, and I'd had three just normal healthy natural pregnancies and babies and then when I had Wolf I ended up having to have an emergency cesarean and when he came into the world they had noticed that he didn't have a bum hole there was nothing there so they weren't very concerned I feel they just were like um oh you know this is like quite common we're just going to take him into surgery and we'll just clip the skin and usually it's just on the other side so they kind of very relaxed and, you know, didn't think too much of it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I was very, I was still kind of in a little bit of a daze because I'd just been, you know, cut open. But yeah. they whisked, whisked him away and, um, and then he was gone for quite a while. And then they had come back and um, basically he came back with a stoma bag. Right. So they did, this was just at a few hours old as well. So they obviously went in and it was a more complicated surgery they had to do it right away so yeah so he had a stoma bag and then before I even like knew about IA or even knew what the situation was and what was you know wrong with Wolf and all that kind of thing they had to run other tests obviously because a lot of children that have these bowel issues tend to have other issues yeah so he was taken to ICU and all of that jazz they conducted some tests and he actually did have quite uh quite a lot of other issues so he they found that he had a fistula but they needed to fix that right away but on our day of discharge which was day four they the last test that had to be done was his echo for his heart and he ended up having um a really complicated heart condition which is called tapvd right and what does that so, sound what does that stand for that's total anomaly pulmonary venous drainage. That is where the vessels, the yeah, the vessels of the heart are going the wrong way. So it's not he's not getting oxygen. Like the blood's not going around. I remember one of the sonographers said that his heart looks like a map that's been all muddled. Jeez. Yeah. So when yeah, so we found out about the heart, and then everything for his bowel condition stopped. I didn't have any more discussions about his bowel about the stoma bag they just kind of had the minute they found that heart condition they had us in an ambulance and raised us to Brisbane Children's and he had open heart surgery the next day so that was like life-threatening it had to be done right then and it was all like a big whirlwind with the heart so I feel like because of that I didn't even really have time to process all this condition with his bowel and I kind of just 
I think I underestimated what was to happen. So my understanding when I was there was that he had the stoma bag, but then in a, soon after they fixed the heart, they'll just take the stoma bag away and he'll be back to normal. That's what I thought in my head, you know, like I didn't, I didn't yep. realize that we're talking about a lifelong journey. I was just like, I just thought, oh, he's got the stoma bag right now, but like, it'll be fine. And well, I was very wrong <laughs> about that because the bowel ended up being the most complicated of all of his surgeries. So he's had quite a lot of surgeries. He ended up having to have two open heart surgeries. The first uh, heart surgery failed, the vessel narrowed. So at I think he was about six or eight weeks old and he had to have his second open heart surgery. Gee whiz, um, he's gone through a lot at such an early age, didn't he? Yeah, he really, really did. And he was tiny. Like his first open heart surgery, he was five days old. So he was like a tiny little, just so small. It was so sad. (laughs) Then I remember um, the first time I had to empty the stoma bag and that was like really overwhelming for me. I just didn't feel like I was equipped. Like with, I, I honestly, in that moment, I thought I can never do this. I was like, I'm terrible. Like this hurts him. It wasn't. It wasn't the emptying that was the issue. It was. I felt so sad as a mum because it's sticky and it sticks to his skin, and I just felt like I was hurting him all the time. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. But you know that that went quickly. Like the minute I did my first one, I was. I knew I was fine, and he was all good. But yeah, a lot of challenges came um, after after the heart was okay so I think once we um once the heart was all good and I realized what was to come for his bowel I went through a really big mental shift and I remember I was in the hospital and one of the nurses wanted to train me on the stoma bags or something and she had said there's some support groups you can go on on Facebook you know you should have a look for other families and I was like okay that's a good idea so anyway, my partner ended up finding a group on Facebook, which I think was where I met you, Greg, yep. on one of the one of the groups. And when I went on that page, I I remember it vividly. I was in hospital. Vin had looked at the page. He passed me the phone and he's like, have a look at some of these things. And I was reading through the messages from the parents and I was going through, you know, all these things. And I I lost it. I had a complete mental breakdown and I'm a very very strong person so it takes a lot for me to show my emotion in like a public situation all that kind of thing and I threw my phone I was so so devastated I think that was the moment that it hit me that this is such a big deal and I just never realized I just thought he would be fine I thought we'd have these operations and then it was all over and that was the first time that I realized that this was a journey and we're only at the very beginning of it, you know, and I, it just broke my heart. I was like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Do you think, do you think the circumstances surrounding his heart issue and that overrode everything else at the time that you probably didn't get a chance to sit down with the colorectal specialist yeah. and just go through that? Because as oh, you say, he was whisked away to another hospital and that yeah. really took precedence, didn't it? Oh, yeah. And that was honestly, when I say that was on the back burner, that was on the back burner. No one, no one, no, there was no concern. So I did not even have a conversation with anyone about what was to come. 
So in my mind, it was just he had the stoma bag, but that will be gone soon. And then he's, that's okay. Like, I didn't even know that he didn't have the whole system in place. I didn't know that he had to, you know, be a process and take a lot more operations. I didn't even know he had to have another operation. I just thought they took they, just one more for the stoma to, yep. to be taken off. And then that was it. So you so, had no idea about the PSARP. No wonder when you got in the group and you mm. read the stories, it would have shocked the hell out of you. Oh, really, really, really badly. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my gosh, these poor babies. And I thought there were so many and these poor adults. And I just it opened up a whole new world, you know. And, yeah, I think it was just very raw and just a lot at that moment. <laughs> um, but once I uh, settled down, I think I actually wrote a post on that page. And it was basically a plea for, like, please, please help reassure me. <laughs> like, can someone please tell me that there is – like some children that are okay or is this just is just every child that has this are they just never okay you know yes. so i do yeah, remember chatting to you and i chatted to your mum sandy as well yeah. around that time and i i do remember yeah. chatting to the both of you yeah mum's beautiful she's there for everything she's really really good and supportive yeah, she's amazing. But yeah, so after we got over that, then, you know, things were back on track and I kind of got my ma- my mind back in the right, you know, in the right game <laughs> on, like, so how to proceed. And- how long after did he have to, did you get the um, PSAP done? At what age was he when you got that? How many months? His PSAP happened straight after his second heart operation. That was honestly about three or four months old. Straight away, we had to do the dilations after that, which was obviously just horrendous. How did, how did you and your partner cope with that? It was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Probably in hindsight now, looking back, if I knew more, I definitely would have pressed to avoid that. I just felt in my situation it was unnecessary. He had no muscle anyway. So for us, it was a little bit of just a procedure that could have been avoided maybe. I know that's not the case for a lot of children and you want to try, but it was a really hard hard time but we um wolf was okay we just set up a safe space and we communicated with him even though he's so little we still just spoke to him and said you know mommy and daddy have to do this and we don't want to hurt you but this has to be done for you and you know we just tried to reassure him and play music and tried to distract him so the both of us did it every time yeah that's Um, great yeah, because we just wanted to have one doing the dilations and one talking and distracting. So thankfully, we had each other to kind of get through that because, yeah, that was really tough. Uh, as I mentioned it to a lot of times when I, we chat about the dilations part, it, it really is a team effort, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's so hard to do alone. Like you can do it alone, but I, I tell people that have children that have what Wolf has because everyone faces the same, you know, adverses. We all go through the time where we're like, I don't want to do the dilations. And I always just say it's it's for them. Like, they Correct. will forget it. They will forget. Because we used to play a certain song when we did it, like a fun song. And he actually got a little bit anxious when he'd hear the song. If really? It came on. Yeah, so I think he did put it together that that meant dilation time but that didn't last long like the minute I think probably about a year 
a year later, you'd never even know. Like he wouldn't even, one of those things you put in the memory bank and think it was just for the good of, the good of his future, you know. When he had his the closure, uh, how did you cope when he passed his first poop? Yeah. The, did you have to deal with much uh, the, the dreaded rash, which I call it? No, we didn't. We avoided the rash, but I don't really, we're very natural in like our lives. Um, so we're Indigenous, we're Aboriginal, and we used like our own remedies just to keep it clean. And we're just very careful to not touch the area too much, changing the, the second anything was there. So we thankfully, we did not have a nappy rash at all. Oh, we, that's great. Yeah, the first time he ever had a nappy rash was much, much later when he got constipated. I think that was when he was like three and a half and he ended up being really backed up and he had to do a washout inside the hospital. So, you know, where they do the washouts and they just yes. like put, yeah, and they just wash them out for well, two days or something. So he did that and that was the first time he ever had a nappy rash. So thankfully I didn't, we didn't have to do that. Thank goodness. Oh, that's that's. Relief. I was prepared for it though. <laughs> like I read, I read the stories. I was like, I had every cream. I imported creams. I was like ready to go. I was like, okay, when he gets this nappy rash, I'm gonna be able to. I'm gonna have everything there to fix it. But he, yeah, he never did. He must just have still bum cheeks. Yeah. I know we've spoken about this before. You had a few issues dealing with the hospitals at some stages with Wolf's uh, treatment, didn't you? Yeah, look, we went through a lot. The, the workers are great. The staff were great, all of that kind of thing. I think it's just with all of Wolf's conditions, especially his heart condition, very rare. So people just didn't have the knowledge, I guess, on on what to do and and also I think another issue was that we were just really all over the place so we were at, at the Gold Coast we're in Brisbane we had specialists everywhere for different things for those overseas the Gold Coast is probably about 40 minutes from Brisbane yeah so it's you know so we had to drive there for heart and then drive here for bowel and go here for something else so it was just very unbelievable and I think the the message is not not to get too much into the um you know that what happened there. I don't want to go like delve right into it, but just yep. for parents to know that our instincts are always right. And when it comes to our children, if you feel as though something is not right, or you feel that it's wrong, or it could be done better, or you've read something, or anything that you think can be better for your child, you need to voice it. It is so important. Like I am the biggest advocate for my children and through all situations and everything that occurred, I just always spoke my mind. If I felt it wasn't in the best interest of Wolf, I would say so. You sort of like touched on it before how it affected you mentally. Did you have to seek some assistance along those lines to cope with things? No, no. So the only time it really affected me was the situation I told you about. Okay, yeah. Um, that was the time that I had just, oh, yeah, I was just not okay. Like, I even lost hair. My hair was falling out. Like, I just wasn't, I wasn't in a good place. And I think that was partially because, you know, my son was fighting for his life. And also because I had just realized that 
we had almost just got over the hardest part. And then I was like slumped with all this information um, that I just wasn't prepared for. Like, like, oh, this is the rest of his life now. And oh, by the way, he needs, you know, at least four more operations and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, whoa, wow. Like this is just, yeah, this is a lot, <laughs> a lot to take in. And that's why it's so important that in that initial little time after he's born that you really needed to get that information from the colorectal surgeon, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think information is key. Like even though obviously the situation was very different because Wolf did have such a life-threatening heart condition that couldn't wait, I think even if I was just given a little bit of information to kind of ponder over or at least just even if they just said straight up, you know, this is going to be a long road. It's going to be hard and it's going to be mm. tough, but you'll be okay and he'll be okay. But he's going to need a lot more operations. Like at least I would have mentally been able to process that and prepare for that journey. Yes. You know? After he had the clothes and all that, how did he cope? Did you need to give him enemas or was he on laxatives? He had the mace put in quite early. Okay. I've noticed it's quite early compared to other children. We did the dilations. He got through those, so that was great. But he didn't have any muscle. He didn't have any muscle tension yep. there. He did do enemas and the Movacol. And we tried a, a few different, you know, concoctions of things to make him go to the toilet. But he was pooing. He was going to the bathroom like 10, 20 times a day. So for him, whatever he had, it would just come straight out. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so our surgeon was pretty confident in saying, I think it's best if he has um, a mace and we do the flush outs at night. Um, it's just going to be better for his, for his future. And I agreed. I was like, yeah, well, we can't keep having this many accidents every single night or day, you know. When we would go out, I think I went through, I would go through a box of nappies a week. Easily. Wow. Because you're dealing with all the other kids as well. It just must have been exhausting. And talking about, the kids how did they react when wolf first come home and having to deal with all these issues at the toilet how were the other kids the kids are really good the older two so i've got a 13 year old and 11 year old and then wolf's got a seven-year-old brother that's just a little bit bigger than him so the kids were really good um Rhodes, my seven-year-old was quite i think he was very concerned so he didn't know how to be around wolf playing wise you know he just he was so worried about wolf but the bigger two understood and they've really been great with it you know they know that he's they know to never say anything about smells or anything like that because wolf did have a lot of accidents so we just made it clear that that was a no-go you know um not to embarrass wolf or to say it in public to just let us know now they give him a lot more about it (laughs) Like, so now they, you know, will definitely give him a harder time. But Wolf is fine. Like, he will just give it back to them. He's got a good banter, good relationship with the kids. But, yeah, they were pretty good. They were very concerned, though, for sure. And now I think I'm fast-forwarding a bit, but now they realise how much Wolf has to do. So every night he has a washout. You know, they're quite, I think they feel for him a little bit. They're just like, oh, why does Wolfie have to do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. But they've been good. So getting to what you're doing now, what is the process you go through? So now he has the chate button in his belly 
and every night we at six o'clock so it's like clockwork yep. so we are so structured um because obviously i have a big family so it's all about routine in our house so six o'clock every single night he has to go into the toilet and we're on a 40 40 solution so 40 mil saline and 40 mil glycerol and basically we just use a big giant syringe and we just push it through his button and that clears his bowels and he has to sit on the toilet for about an hour right so yeah so on the toilet we just give him his ipad so he's actually pretty lucky because the other kids don't get theirs at night. <laughs> so he gets to he gets a good hour on the iPad from six till seven. If I've got sport, he'll have to go from seven till eight. But we cannot miss a day. So if if we accidentally miss a day or or we get home too late, um, he will have accidents the whole next day. Oh, really? Well, he definitely yeah. deserves to have yeah. that iPad time. I know that. Yeah, he does. And he loves it. He's like, it's his own little, you know, quiet time. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he enjoys it. And how has he adjusted to school? School's been really good. So um, I was really concerned and he really, really wanted to go to school. So he's in year one now. So he's already done one year of school. He started school last year. He really wanted to go with his siblings. So we let him go early. We could have held him one year later because he's just before the cutoff date right. or a few months before the cutoff date. So we decided to send him. So he was only four when he went to school. I just basically equipped him with a little pack in his bag. I got those waterproof bags. I got two of them and I just put one inside the other. And inside the bags, I had um, a couple of pairs of underwear, some wipes and just a little care package. So I said to him, if you ever, ha- and a spare pair of school shorts. And I said, if you ever have an accident, you just need to raise your hand, run straight out of the class, um, go to the toilet, take your bag, and you've got all your stuff inside there and you can put your smelly stuff in the other Ziploc bag and mum yep. will fix it. So we gave a really clear plan when he went to school to let him know just in case anything happens. And we have been so lucky. He's, he's had an accident at school, but he handled it himself. He didn't even tell the teacher. Oh, that's wonderful. The school have been really supportive? Yeah, they've been really supportive. But I just said to them, if he raises his hand to go to the toilet, he goes then and there. There's no no delay. He doesn't need to ask. You know, he just needs to leave. So they were aware of that and they were fine. And honestly, they've been great. I just, I like to do keep Wolf independent. I'd rather him know how to take care of himself than have the teachers have to deal with anything. So Wolfie, I just said, you know, you know what to do. In you go, take care of yourself, call mum if anything's wrong. <laughs> so yeah. that's our school routine. <laughs> and he's doing some sport now, isn't he, the little fella? Yeah. So he's been doing jiu-jitsu for quite a while now, since he was, oh, like since before he was four, just before he was four. So he does jiu-jitsu and he's just about to start rugby league and he is so energetic. And honestly, his button stops him from nothing (laughs) like I remember even with his heart condition they were trying to say that you know he could have trouble with his breathing and he won't be able to do high intensity sport just because of his heart condition like he might get a bit more tired fatigued and I know with his button it has actually come out once so he pulled the whole tube out one time (laughs) that that was a nightmare 
<laughs> and it was so freaky. I freaked out, but it ended up being fine too. But now we just cover it for sport and he just goes hard. <laughs> He's the best. And he did his first competition last weekend and he won two gold medals. Isn't that amazing? So, and yeah. And that is just gonna that's gonna put a smile on the face of so many parents who have got little boys and girls that are just starting yeah. the journey that nothing can stop these kids when they put their minds to it. No, no, nothing, nothing. He's he's got a lot of brothers and sisters, and Wolf is honestly, he is the hardest out of all of them. <laughs> like he is the one who will go the hardest, tries the hardest. He is just like he's unstoppable. He's really, really something special. He's cool. He definitely yeah. is resilient, isn't he? Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of the rugby league, last yeah. year, his older brother, Rhodes, so he plays for the Parkwood Sharks under-7s rugby league team, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And you're our sponsor for that. Yeah, that's what I was I getting know. at. It was so amazing. I don't actually know. Have you seen the posters we did with all your sponsors and everything on it? I saw the jumpers with the name, the foundation logo on the back. We were so proud to be involved there because, and it was more for for me, it was more that, okay, I knew Wolf was going to be playing this year. And if Mm -hmm. people started asking the question, oh, what is one in 5,000? And it just gives... It's sort of like it helps people understand without going into the old details about Wolf, what he's deals with and what you guys have had to deal with as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it honestly opens. I think the, the greatest thing is communication. So the more people that know, the easier it is for kids to understand. Like I remember one day at football, Wolf had a big accident and he is, he's got a lot of pride, Wolf does. for Even for a little person, he's very... He takes a lot of pride in his appearance and and all of that kind of thing. And I remember one day, because um, my partner's the coach and I'm the manager of the team. So Wolf does his own thing usually at football, but he had an accident and he went to the car and he was trying to clean himself up in the car. Oh. Now, this was a big accident. So this wasn't a small, yeah. like a small little accident. He must have just been, he must have had a bug or something. So he just couldn't stop. And the car he used towels and everything and I remember a parent coming over and saying Angel I just want to let you know that your little boy is in the car and he's crying and I think he's had an accident and I was like oh my gosh I was like thank you for telling me but she knows his condition because of the sponsor because oh, she plays really? on our team and she knows so she knew straight away to just leave Wolf come and get me she knew exactly what was going on you know so didn't make a fuss over it knows wolf was like that so i was like it's actually really great that parents are aware and they kind of they don't they don't make a deal over it you know it's just that, like oh he's in the car he's had an accident you want might want to sort him out and i was like yep i'm there you know that brings a tear yeah. to my eye actually to know yeah, that it's really cool. to know that you know just by doing that sponsorship has and the name has sort of like helped wolf in that situation yeah it did because i just feel like if they didn't know they might try and I don't know, maybe just like enter his space and he just yep. doesn't like that. You know, he likes, he's very private and he yep. deals with things he's on his own. He's like a little warrior, you know, so he just, yeah, it was good. It was nice to know that people do understand and and also that, you know, just to cut him slack as well, you know. Yes. Like he's, he, he is a little bit, he does have something. So if he needs a bit of time out and he needs that time out, you know, it's not for us to, to question it 
Yeah. Yeah, and sure. and it's all about promoting the condition, not the individual as well, isn't it? Because mm. to try and explain to someone and parents and you know other kids around, it's it's not an easy thing. No, it's not. Yeah, I agree. And I find there's a lot of stigma around like when I try and tell someone, they say, What is what is this? Like what does Wolf have? And you explain the situation like he's born without a bum hole. That comes with so many questions. Yes. Will be amazing when the day comes that you're able to just say his IA, ARM, and people will know. <laughs> or like, you know, mention one in five thousand and people go, Oh, I know about that. Like it just yeah, it will help a lot, I think, for our future kids. And I just think what you're doing is amazing for, for these kids. Oh, well. And no. for the adults, for everyone, for everyone who goes through this, you know. We do what we can to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I want to talk about too is mm. people mightn't realise, but you are a very famous young lady. <laughs> because oh. you are a renowned photographer and one of the best artists of contemporary aboriginal art there is in australia thank you i'm going to give your business a plug you are www.angelreilly.com.au and your angel riley art on facebook and instagram i would encourage everybody to have a look at some of the amazing work that you do for your indigenous community and can you just give us a bit of a give us a bit of a background on what the art is and why you're so passionate about it yeah sure thank you so much um so I yes I am an artist now it's very strange to say that I am now an artist I don't I, I feel like it's it's one of those jobs that you just you never think it'll become a career I think so for me I actually started painting as a way to escape so uh, with everything that happens like that has happened with Wolf and, and with COVID and you know just the world right now I feel like everyone feels a little bit of unease in the current climate so I needed something to keep me grounded for one so I was there um, for my children at the best capacity I could be and the only thing that keeps me in the right headspace is to paint or to be creative I guess so prior to painting I was a photographer and I traveled the world doing photography and it's quite successful but when COVID hit I just needed something more I needed to realign myself with my people I lost my grandfather who Wolf is named after um uh, so yeah so my pop was the only male figure in my life uh, growing up and when I had Wolf and when I went through everything with Wolf pop was there and you know just uh he was just really just devastated and didn't know how to help and all that kind of thing and I remember when I was trying to pick a name for Wolf I thought what name can you give a child that's this special like I don't like what can you call a child that just like is brought into the world and faces all of these things and then just comes out like you know just so strong and resilient and brave and and just beats all the odds and I was like what name can I give them and I knew I wanted to name him after my pop and his name's Ronald and I was like oh how am I gonna call him Ronald you know <laughs> and I thought to myself oh pop I love you so much but your name is just not the coolest name in the world like I need to try and think of something so I was 
trying to think of different things like Ronaldo or Ron or you know all these things and then I I really I just I thought I want to call him Wolf and my partner agreed and said that's yeah I love it he's like that's that's his name so I called my grandma and I said we've got a name and she said what is it and I said Wolf we're calling him Wolf and she goes oh my god Angel that is your grandfather's nickname at school and I just could not believe it. I was like, "You had wow. no idea, no idea, no idea." I just in, I just knew in my heart I needed this special name. I wanted to call it after my pop so bad, call him after my pop, and I just thought of Wolf, and that was my pop's nickname. Oh. So I was like, "How is that?" So anyway, so back to the painting. My grandfather was the reason that I, when when I lost him, I needed to be connected to him and. Our culture is so important to my family and it always has been. And um, obviously I'm white skinned. So I met with a lot of, when I tell people I'm, because I only identify as Aboriginal, I don't identify as anything else. Um, I am Wiradjuri, that's where I'm from. And if people ask, oh, like, where are you from? I say I'm Wiradjuri. So, and that's been like that since my whole life. So when I lost my prop, I just needed to be closer to that. I needed to be closer to my culture and to my people and to him. So I started painting and now that's my that's my job. Oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. Now, and do you want to explain yeah. um, to for people who aren't in Australia, each each of the areas in Australia have a Indigenous name? Yes. Yes. Uh, so do, you, do you want to explain how, what your Wiradjuri yes. comes from? Yeah, okay. So um, basically there is thousands of tribes um, within Australia so each area has um, a lot of a lot of different tribes and back 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 you know way back when we were born into a certain mob we call it a mob but you would call it a tribe and my mob is Wiradjuri which is it's the biggest uh, tribe in Australia it spans from New South Wales like almost the whole coast of New South Wales so it goes from Dubbo all the way down to Sydney um, and we're made up of a lot of different families. And my great, great, great grandfather was actually um, a politician. And he is, he actually started the first ever, uh, what do you call it? Like activist movement with the Australia Day protests. So he was actually, he created that. He also had a big, big role to play in getting Aboriginal people the rights to vote. So he was pivotal with our people, my great-great-great-grandfather. And they actually have a museum in Dubbo and a huge statue of my great-great-great-grandfather. So it's pretty cool. We've got a really um, special family. Yeah. Oh Well, I tell you what, he'd be extremely proud of all the the artwork you're doing at the moment. Thank you. I reckon if we could get Wolf in his Mm jiu-jitsu uniform with Mm -hmm. his medals standing yeah. in front of one of your paintings, I reckon that would be a perfect profile photo when we put the podcast up. What do you reckon? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that for sure. i like to ask this to everybody. Mm-hmm. If you were giving advice to a new parent now on their IARM journey, what would, would, would be your advice? Oh, my, honestly, my advice is, is that it is okay. He, your child, your your baby, you know, whether it's a girl or a boy, they will be okay. And as long as it seems and as hard as the journey seems, it's actually not. 
it's you know it's so it's so manageable and medicine is so advanced now that it's yeah it's all okay it's like there's there's nothing to be gravely concerned about there are so many other things that are more that will have more of an impact on your child than this will and this is just yeah the child will conquer it nothing nothing in the grand scheme of things and that's wonderful you say that because there was it was a time when roof was born you probably didn't feel that way did you no that's the thing i really did when i first joined all the support pages and i started researching for myself i really just only felt doom and gloom i thought that his life would just be hard and that he'd be embarrassed and that he he wouldn't be okay and he wouldn't be able to play sport and he wouldn't be able to go swimming you know I just thought all these just silly things and then now I look and I'm like the kid can surf he skates he wins gold medals in jiu-jitsu he's about to play rugby league he's like he's unstoppable (laughs) I can tell you what he's got my like how he can do jiu-jitsu and wear white is just that just astounds me because I could never have done that honestly Oh, I just would have been oh, too scared. So for him to be able to do that, <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, he'll be able to teach you some things. Don't you worry. He'll get <laughs> out there one day. <laughs> I've, I've got no doubt. So, Angel, I can't thank you enough for sharing your journey with Wolfie and how you guys have coped and how, as a family, you've made him feel as protected as possible and treated him as normal as possible as well, I suppose you could say. So. Yeah. I can't wait to get up to Queensland one day and come and watch him play at the Parkwood Sharks. Yay. I might be able to get up there this year because with no with COVID easing off a bit, we might be able to travel. So, no, nah, it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, now, I can't thank you enough for joining us, Angel. Yeah, thank you so much for everything you do too, Greg. You've, just, you've made such a beautiful community and you're just going to help so many parents and it's really special. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And I can't wait for you to see Wolf yep. in person. I'll be up there. Don't worry. All yeah, right. great. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.